0: Good morning. I, uh, I wonder, do you remember the first time that you drove a car? Because I remember the first time Dad took me out for my first driving lesson. 16 years old, he drove me to a quiet area of Devonport, and I got out of the passenger seat and walked quite excitedly and cockily round to the driver's seat, I opened the door, and I sat in And 16 years of watching other people drive had not prepared me for what it looks like when you're actually facing all those dials and switches and levers yourself. It was a little bit intimidating. But it's okay, I got over that. We turned the car on, Dad told me to pull out. I did, and I started driving along the road. A little bit shakily, as happens. And when I got up to a full 10 kilometres an hour, I was a speed demon. And then Dad said, all right, it's time to turn the corner. Turn left here. So I flicked the indicator on and I did what I had seen other people do for years. I turned the corner, or turned the wheel just a little bit and I missed that corner completely. I ended up on the wrong side of the road. Dad wrenched on the wheel and brought us over to the right side and he laughed himself silly. For all three of uh, Mum and Dad's children, Dad loved that first driving lesson and that first corner. But that experience taught me something. I had watched other people drive for 16 years. I had looked at it. I knew in my head what needed to happen, and yet there is something completely different about actually engaging with it yourself. That's why on our learners we have to get all those hours of experience in different types of driving so that we are able to learn so that when we approach the different things of life or the different kind of conditions driving, we know what to do. And today we are picking up our spiritual discipline series. And spiritual spiritual disciplines, they are practical tools and actions that we can do in our lives. And the point of them is to help redirect our attention, to focus ourselves on God. And we don't have to use these spiritual disciplines all the time. In fact, the one that I'm using today is not one that we do every day. But instead, these are like tools that go into your toolbox that you can pull out when you need them. But we have to learn, we have to practice with them, we have to engage with them so that we actually get the skills to be able to do it. And so today, I'm going to be unpacking the spiritual discipline that everybody loves, fasting an exciting one. I want to do this the same way that I did silence and solitude earlier in the year by looking at what is fasting, why would we do it, so what are we going to do about it and how do we do it? Four questions. So the first one is, what is fasting? And quite simply, when I turn this on, fasting is the act of giving something up and redirecting our attention to God. See, fasting is something that we see in many areas of life, particularly if you've had to go do a blood test. Maybe you are asked by the doctors to fast. There is a difference with what I'm talking about today. There is something different about a spiritual fast because of that second part. We redirect our attention to God. A spiritual fast is not just about giving something up. It is about using the space that is created to intentionally turn and focus our eyes on Jesus. But I'm also, the first part of that definition, fasting is the act of giving something up. Often when we think about fasting, we think about food, and that's the example that we see in Scripture all the time, but it doesn't actually have to be food. Food is a powerful one because it's something that is so core to who we are and what we need, but maybe fasting for you might look like fasting from your phone. I don't know if you've ever had a look at your digital well-being stats on your phone at how many times you unlock your phone in a day or how many hours you spend on it, but when you do, it's a pretty disturbing thing to see. Imagine if we could take those 76 unlocks that you do throughout the day, most of the time for no real reason, and you could just redirect that attention to God. Or what about TV? And technology, what if you took that time that you're giving to TV, to technology, and instead you dedicated it to God? What if you took your comfort, your fancy clothes, all sorts of things and all sorts of things that might take your time and your attention and you went, you know what, I'm going to give this time to God instead. This is what fasting is about. It's about creating space to redirect our thoughts to God. And when we talk about fasting with food or fasting with all these other things, it's really powerful because it's actually combined with prayer. We don't fast just by itself. Fasting and prayer are intertwined, they are combined, because fasting has this inbuilt reminder to pray in it. Every time your stomach grumbles if you're fasting food, it's a reminder to pray. Every time that you would go to cook a meal, it's a reminder to pray. Every time you get your phone out of your pocket, it's a reminder to pray instead of unlock it. Every time you reach for that secret snack that you've got hidden in your desk drawer at work, it's a reminder to pray and ask for self-control. And so fasting is this intentional act in which we redirect our focus. So that's what it is. But the next question is, why would we fast? Why would we deny ourselves? Why would we give up something that, in the case of food, is really, really good? And as you read scripture, all throughout scripture, people fast. People are regularly uh, giving up food to give this time to God. In fact, Jesus himself fasted and Jesus taught about fasting as a normal part of the believer's life in the Sermon on the Mount. The early church prayed and fasted as a regular part of their worship. We see fasting all the time and yet, I also want to clarify this, There is no clear command in the Bible, you have to fast. If you don't fast, you are no less of a Christian. You are not losing your salvation if you choose not to fast. It is a tool. It is something that is helpful for us, something that will help us to fix our eyes on Jesus. But it's also not a command. But there are three reasons why I think fasting is helpful. There's a lot more, but I want to unpack three today. And I want to start with Acts chapter 12, verse 25 to 13, verse 3. says this, When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon called, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, And Saul, while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Here in this passage we see that Barnabas and Saul, they have returned from Jerusalem. They have finished their mission. They have done what they had been called to do. And so there is a sense of they are looking for what's next. What, what is our next place? What is the next thing that we're meant to go to? And so they meet with the church. They worship and they pray. They meet with the leaders of the church. And there is this sense that fasting is this act of worship, this dedication to God. But there's one clear thing that I see in this passage that is also in other passages. And that is that fasting makes space to hear God speak. It is while the church is fasting and praying, while they are worshipping God, that they are making this space to turn their eyes and their hearts towards God, that they hear the Holy Spirit speak. There is a wonderful truth that's included in this that God is wanting to speak to us, God is wanting to interact with us. You know, every time at our PM services that we share God's stories, we affirm that God is living and active and interested in our lives. And this is part of that. God is wanting to communicate with us, but so often our lives are full of distractions. So often our lives are full of things that are taking our attention and it's like trying to listen to the radio when it isn't tuned into the channel properly. There's static and you kind of hear bits and pieces of the message. Fasting is this opportunity to create intentional time to tune in, to hear what God is saying to us. Just like silence and solitude, it is another tool that creates that space because you're choosing to not do something and put your attention elsewhere. And this is an example that we see all throughout Scripture of fasting being a way of discerning and hearing what God has for us. And so that's one thing that we can learn from fasting. The next passage that I want to unpack, and I want to spend a little bit more time on this one, is 2 Samuel chapter 12. And this, this passage is where David is confronted by, Bath, by Nathan about his adultery with Bathsheba. Nathan comes and tells Samuel a story of a man who was incredibly rich, that had lots of sheep, and a man who had only one lamb. And the man who was incredibly rich stole the lamb of the one who only had one in order to feed a guest. And David, when he hears this in verse 5, it says, uh, David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. David is full of this anger, this righteous, just anger at this story that Nathan has told, only for Nathan to turn around and go, you, Are that man. And David's shocked. I want to pick up this passage in verse 13. It says, Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. But because by doing this you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. After Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had borne to David, and he became ill. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent the nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused, and he would not eat any food with them. This is one of those passages of Scripture that you might not have read before or heard before. And here we see David as a man who feels his emotions strongly. He is not one of those guys-don't-cry kind of men. Instead, he is someone who feels what is going on inside deeply. You just have to read the Psalms to know that he is in touch with his emotions, with joy, with sorrow, with sadness with anger. He understands what's going on inside. And so when his son gets sick, his immediate response is to go to God. His immediate response is to plead with God. He's a man of action. But have you ever been so full of emotion? There is just so much going on inside you that you just, words don't seem to be enough. If I get super stressed and worried and frustrated I start to stress clean. You know there's all these things that are going on inside and so there's this need for me to let it out in some physical act. And for me that's cleaning. It doesn't happen often. But there's something that makes there's so much going on inside that I want to get it out. Maybe we also sometimes see it when we're angry. And just slamming a door seems to help. It's something that helps get those emotions out because that is the space that David is in right now. He's got so much going on inside. And this tells us something about fasting. See, fasting is this physical act that gives expression to the depths of our emotions. It is something that lets us get out all those things that we are feeling when we just don't know how to, when words don't seem to be enough. Because just think about poor David for a second. He has gone from burning with righteous anger to the cold shock of shame, as Nathan says it was him, and now sorrow that someone else is paying the price for his failure. Think about the emotions that are just going around inside David right now. So much going on round and round inside him, and so he has to do something to let it out. And so he does what he can. He fasts. He gives up something that is important to him, something that is good for him to give expression to what is going on inside. Verse 16 says, David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent the nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. For seven days, David goes without food. He fasts. He lies on the cold, hard ground. And he pleads with God. To David here in this space, fasting is about expressing the depth of his emotion. It is about expressing the pain that he is feeling, the repentance at his own failure. It is because his words and his mouth just don't feel like there are big enough space to let everything that is inside him out. And so this is about expressing the heart and soul with God. Do you know what? This is one of the big reasons why we can fast as well. Fasting is for those moments when we feel so passionately about something, we are so concerned about something, we feel so strongly about it that just praying doesn't seem to be enough. Words aren't enough and so we act, we fast, we give up something and we create space to look to God, to turn our eyes and our focus to him we pour out all the stuff that is going on inside us to God through this action. It's to express those burning needs that we just don't have words for. It's for the injustices that we see that every time we see it, it just kind of hurts something deep inside. These injustices that we see again and again and again until we say enough is enough. This is something that I can do about that. It is for the heartbreak that we feel at the way that people are being treated. It is for the need that we feel so strongly inside, that dream that we have that just can't seem to get started. We plead with God, we express it through fasting. It's for the parent who is sick with worry over their child. It is for the relationship that is breaking down. You pray and you fast. You give up something for it. We express what seems to be inexpressible on the inside through this physical act. But sometimes when we look at this, we can kind of get this picture in our heads, we can get this idea in our heads that if I give up something enough, then I'm going to earn enough brownie points with God that he has to answer my prayer. You know, if I am going to sacrifice in this way, woe is me, then God has to give me what I'm praying for. I'm going to twist God's arm in this. And yet that's not what we see in this passage. Verses 18 to 20 say, on the seventh day, the child died. David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they thought, while the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us when we spoke to him. How can we now tell him the child is dead? He may do something desperate. David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead? He asked. Yes, they replied, he is dead. Then David got up from the ground. After he had washed, put on lotions and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house and at his request, they served him food and he ate. David prayed. David pled with God. David fasted for seven days. And yet, his son still passed away. He pled with the very core of his being and yet God is still the one in control. And David actually goes on in the next couple of verses to explain his thinking. He said, while the child was still alive, I know that God is a merciful God and there was a chance. So he pled, he did everything he could. Now that the child is dead, he knows that he will see him one day. And there's something about David's response. He goes, he gets changed, and then he goes into the house of the Lord and he worships. He still glorifies God. Because when David was there on the ground, when he was pleading, when he was fasting with God... He wasn't doing it by himself. He was doing it with God. He was going before his maker and he was connecting with him. He was engaging with God. He was in relationship with God. It was not just David doing these things, but he was actually interacting and engaging with God in that space. He was not alone there. And this is a hard passage because it brings out a truth that we sometimes don't want to acknowledge. We kind of feel like if we're going to fast, if we're going to go without something, then we ought to get something from it. And we do. We get a relationship with God. We get time with God, but we don't twist God's arm. He is still God. He's still in control. Fasting is not a magic bullet to get what we want. So fasting makes space to hear from God and it gives expression to the depths of our emotions. I want to look at one more passage uh, for something else, and it's Esther's story. And in Esther, we see the Jews are in exile, and one of the officials in the government, Haman, bribes the king to be able to destroy the Jews. And as soon as this happens and the Jewish people hear about it, they start fasting. They fast because they're trying to express that inexpressible thing inside them. They're trying to express the sorrow that they feel and they plead before God. But Esther and Mordecai hatch a plan that requires God's protection for it to work. It is only going to work if God is part of it. Esther is going to go before the king without being summoned. And in doing so, she risks her life, but she is going to do it to try and save her people. And in Esther chapter 4, verses 15 to 16, it says, Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. something a little bit different about this fast. But it is a really important idea and lesson that we learn. And here we learn that fasting unites people around a common cause. See, all of the Jewish people are at risk at the moment. All of them are worried about what is going on, what is going to happen to them. They have all been fasting themselves. But Esther is inviting them. Fast for me. Fast for this plan. Fast and pray for what is going to happen here. Pray that God is going to be good and he is going to deliver this plan. There is this sense of coming together that we see here. The people are entering into this shared suffering, this shared discomfort, this shared denial of themselves. And all of them are making space for God. It's something that unites them. And these Jewish people, these would they would have had different ideas about what should happen in this place. They would have had different ideas about how God should have rescued them. And yet fasting unites them around a single idea. We're going to fast for this plan. We're going to fast that this is going to happen. There is something powerful about the unity that is seen there, the the sense of identity that comes from people gathering together in this way. Do you know what? There is also something incredibly powerful whenever God's people choose to stand together for something. There is something incredibly powerful when God's people choose to stand up and say, no, we are going to be united about this. And we are going to come together in prayer for this because we know that prayer is powerful. We know that prayer works. There is something incredible about that. When a group of people are willing to deny what the world tells them. The world tells us, make yourself comfortable. Do what you can. And yet fasting is choosing discomfort. And when a group of people are choosing discomfort, choosing to fix their eyes on Jesus, there is something powerful that occurs in that place. And so that actually brings me to a so what? Because I love, I've been here in Alice Springs for 12 months now. And I love Alice Springs, I love this town, I love its people, I love this land. I love what God is doing here. But we know that there are challenges here. We know that there are things that could be better here. And we are actually going to invite you as the church to come together to unite around a common cause and a common purpose. Over the week of the 4th to the 10th of March, we're inviting you to fast and pray. Now, don't worry. We're not asking you to fast for a whole week because that's a bit much. Instead, we have set aside a week because we know that people's schedules are different. We know that there are lots of things going on. And so we encourage you to find a space in that week to fast and pray. And tomorrow night at the members' meeting, we're actually going to be inviting people to offer suggestions of what are some of the areas that we can fast and pray for. And we're going to be putting together a guide that will be released next week with five or six opportunities, focuses for our prayer for this town. Looking at what it would look like for God's kingdom to break through here in this place? What would it look like for God's kingdom to be seen so clearly here in Alice Springs? What would change? What would be different? There's something powerful in that image. And we are not going to tell you how to engage with this because we're all coming from very different experiences with this we're all coming from very different levels you choose how you engage for myself when i was introduced to fasting i was introduced to a 48 hour fast so for example you fast from sunset on monday to sunset on wednesday that's a great entry level one or maybe for you With the way that your week looks, you go, you know what? I'm going to fast for two 24 hour periods. Or maybe you might choose to fast a single meal across multiple days. Or maybe you're choosing to not fast food at all, but you're going to choose to fast from your phone. I'm sorry, you can't choose to fast from schoolwork. That doesn't work. It's got to be something important to you. You choose how to engage. But this is a call, this is an opportunity for us as a church to come together around a common cause, to express the depth of our emotions for this place because I know I'm not the only one who loves Alice Springs. I know I'm not the only one who has a heart for the people here and what is happening here. Because I've had a year talking to people here in this church and I know that there is a passion for this place. This is a way that we can express that that we can hear what God is wanting to say to us about this town and about this place and about the future. And so we're going to have some more information available about this next week, but I also want to encourage you, if you've got questions, I'd love to have a conversation with you after the service. But there are a couple of things that I also just want to say around the how, and I want to be really clear about it. I will have a lot of information available next week about how to do it, but the first Real thing that I want to clarify, and I want to make sure all the people hear. If you have a medical condition, maybe you are diabetic, maybe you're pregnant, maybe you have an illness of some sort, maybe you are just on medication that requires you to take it with food, please check with a doctor first. Fasting does not have to be food. Can I get you all to nod to say that you heard that? Cool. Because it is... Fasting with food is something that we see in Scripture, but it is not the only way. It is about giving something up and dedicating that time to God. But I want to really encourage you, if you are not sure at all, check with a doctor first. Hey, we've got a lot of doctors in the congregation. Maybe you could just... No, don't do that. (laughs) Second thing when you're um, going to fast is you need to decide how to fast because there's actually a lot of different things. You've got to decide on how long you're going to fast, what you're going to fast. I mean, when I've been introduced to fasting, and this is how I'll be engaging this time, I'm going to give up food, but I live in the desert. I am still going to drink water. I'm not going to drink coffee. I'm not going to drink other things. It will just be water, but I'm going to give up food. But you could also do a juice fast. There are um, So you still drink juices, but you don't drink other things. Maybe you want to just give up one specific type of food. That's okay. It's about that dedication to God. Or there's also the Daniel fast. So you give up the nice meats, you give up the really cooked food, and instead you just go with the simple vegetables. There's lots of different ways. The other thing is, please start and end your fast well. Don't go into it thinking, I'm just going to stock up on us much bread before the fast as possible, and that's going to tide me over. Your body will hate you. Okay, start and end well. Fresh vegetables, light meals at the start and the end of the fast. Don't go to mackers after the fast. Please. I've heard so many stories about people doing the 40-hour famine and then doing that and then getting outside mackers and they get to see their meal again. Please don't. Eat, start and end well. And the other one is, let hunger redirect your attention. Hunger is not something to be afraid of. Instead, it is a reminder to pray, to fix our eyes and our thoughts on Jesus, to give our attention to him, to pray for this town that we love. So I'm going to be sharing a little bit more about that next week. Um, at some point during the service, and I'm going to have some information available. But I want to encourage you to just think about what might this look like for you to engage? And Again, I'm more than happy to have conversations with people as well as we express that inexpressible inside us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you that you love us. I thank you that you care about us. Lord, I thank you that you want to speak to us. And God, I thank you that in Scripture we see these examples of tools that we can use to focus in on you, to redirect our attention to you, to intentionally seek you. And Lord, I want to say thank you for fasting. God, for being able to choose discomfort, knowing that it will draw us to you, that it will help us to redirect and focus our attention on you. And Lord, I want to just lift up the congregation today, those who are listening online, those who are here in person. Lord, I pray for those who might be feeling a little bit scared or worried or freaked out by this idea of fasting. And Lord, I pray that over this week that you might just help guide them to a way of engaging with this that will honour you, but that is accessible and is engaging at the level that is right for them. Lord, I want to pray and just dedicate that week of the 4th of March to the 10th of March. Lord, as we come together, as we pray for Alice Springs, as we pray for your kingdom to be seen and felt here in this place, God, we just lift that up to you and we dedicate it to you. We pray that you will do amazing things through that time. And God, we just thank you for who you are. All these things we pray in your name. Amen.